I'm Tom Kennedy and welcome to Uncensored Stories. Today we're welcomed by Ponch and Moose from the lads at Hello Game Day podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Uh, I thought I'd take a leaf out of your page on the podcast by starting things off um, with some stitch-ups. So, Ponch, <laughs> you're up first. Yeah. I, I was waiting for this. <laughs> What did you have to do when you lost Jumanji recently? Oh, fuck. And how did and it come out? <laughs> so how, how uncensored is this program that we're running? Is it's completely uncensored, mate. That's the basis of the program. Well, fuck. The it was less, thing, less than a dollar. Yeah, the awkward thing is my missus is in the room and she's going to hear the story. So she hasn't heard it before. Well, so basically I had this game called Jumanji uh, and it was my birthday weekend when I was 21 and I came up with all these games and we had a bunch of lads um, go up to Sydney for a weekend and it went really well so we decided to do it again except knowing my friend Sam Lewin if anyone knows the pig of a man he could be sometimes he came up with some of the most atrocious atrocious games that you could think of so um, one of them, I won't say all of them, but one of them we came up with was uh, we had a roulette of beers and in one of them was a Viagra. So nobody knew who was going to get it. <laughs> it was just going to happen. Um, and I want to tell these other stories so that mine doesn't look as bad, but it's still probably the worst. So basically, someone had a shit flung at them. Um, another person had his eyebrows shaven off uh, his head. Um, what were some of the more grim ones? I think off the top of my head. Someone had to eat dog food, didn't they? Someone had to eat dog food. On my birthday, I'm giving myself an honourable mention. I ate a 50 cent coin. That's what I was, that's what I was, that's what I was actually getting Okay, I'm not going to say the other one then. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I'll go with this one. one, Because the other one is, it's probably too far. I feel like you can't, I feel like you can't mention the other one and then, uh, not explain. Uh, okay, so I will. I will explain the other one. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> on my birthday, um, this is how. So basically, all my life, I barely fucking. I've gone through with doing minimal work and just pinching, like saving every penny and fucking making the stretch a mile. So the deal that I made for that bet was, it was called it was Batman or Superman. So it was the Man of Steel or the Man of Money. And the thing was, you either spend 50 bucks at the bar for everyone or you eat 50 cents. And I pulled it out and I was like, fuck it. I'll eat the 50 cents. <laughs> and everything was, I pulled out two 20s and a 10 cent coin. And the boy's like, nah, 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 nah. Like, that's not how it's fucking working. And I'm like, fuck. So someone puts a 50 cent coin on the table. And I was like, well, I'm just fucking, I'm just going to do this. Like, I'm just going to give fucking well. And I put this thing in my mouth. I swallow it and I just gulp it so hard and this is probably the dumbest thing i've ever done in my life <laughs> you know, slowly slowly work down my neck and i'm just pushing beers down get it down so after an hour it's finally gone forget about it the next morning i'm like yeah i'm gonna shit this out so we go to have breakfast i can only eat like a, like half a fucking scrambled egg and i'm like ah oh, boys i'm gonna go shit this thing out i'm, I'm good to go anyways <laughs> it's not coming out when then the next day we have to go home and i'm going through the airport thinking how the fuck, if this metal detector goes off, how the fuck am I going to explain that? I've eaten a fucking 50 cent coin. There's all these stupid things I didn't even think about that came out of the story. 
So I got through the airport fine. And then after a couple more days, it still hadn't come out. I've been doing like full training at, at, at footy and stuff. And after about day three, the boys were a bit concerned and I was a bit concerned, but I, I started coughing up blood in the shower and I didn't say anything. Oh my God. I was really, I was really stressed that like, I might actually have to go to hospital and get this fucking thing cut out. Like I was that fucking worried. Um, and then, yeah, I think after the fourth day, when every time I ate, every time I ate something, it would, so I'd eat 30 seconds of the food going into my digestive system and it would push on this coin and it would rip my insides. It was the worst thing ever. And then by day five, I finally had the <laughs> shit. And as soon as I went to the toilet, I heard the clink and I had, I had to be sure. I had to know it was out of me. So I had to rummage through, found it. And I, I've, I washed it and I've kept it for... I've kept it for years and years. I actually don't know where it is recently, but it came out completely like just boiled with my acid, stomach acid. So it was a black 50 cent coin and actually it was, it was the Jumanji trophy going forward. So I've been meaning to get it encased so that the next person who wins the Jumanji gets that as a little trophy. So that was that one. And the other one that I'll quickly say is I had to, <laughs> I had to shove a carrot up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm up, I'm up How far? Most of the way. <laughs> was there was so, there a certain technique that, um, that you adopted? The only uh, thing that was advantageous is that pretty much everyone spat on it before it went out there. <laughs> so, anyway, I'll probably sing like this story, and I wish I would have given filthier dirt on Moose, but. Moose is going to get out of his story pretty tame. Cause you brought that up. A- you brought that upon yourself. Sorry, brother. Because I was just going to the 50 cent coin. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that sharing, very, So, yes, that's my uncensored story. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's very uncensored, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, Moose, we've got some intel uh, regarding... We've heard that you've been in a few Tinder dates recently. Um, and one of your tactics is to leave a Salvation Army apron strategically positioned in your room so that that's the first thing a bird sees when she comes in. Um, talk us through this strategy and, and what sort of what you're trying to portray yourself as, as being as a bloke. So there's a bit of mail on this, but at the same time, there's not because for me, you know, I worked at the Salvation Army for a few years and, you know, doing social work like that, I felt like I had earned that privilege i felt like i earned that right to put my salvation army jacket there and just sort of not have to tell the girls what i do but they bring it up and i'm like oh god yeah so embarrassing that you saw that yeah i, mean, I work with the homeless <laughs> what so, are their general reactions oh uh, i get a lot of oh so sweet and, and all that so it honestly there's a bit of mayo on that because that's where i always keep my salvation army jacket I, I, i'd have to move it it if I if is, I wanted, yeah. Is it within the wardrobe or is it sort of out on show? It's on show. It's on show. It's it's on the bookshelf <laughs> with all the books that I haven't read. <laughs> so it's on show. There's a bit of mayo, but there's not at the same time. So it has been oh, a tactic, okay. and it's and it's and it's worked. A charm. Uh, okay, so Ponch, this one was actually sent in from a fan. We've just opened up a question section for our followers on the Rocky Road. Um, can you confirm or deny that uh, a couple of years ago on grand final weekend, 
you were spotted on uh, Chapel Street near the infamous uh, <laughs> Revolver nightclub with a watermelon and then were later seen at a, a stranger's backyard rucking that watermelon <laughs> and playing <laughs> AFL football with the watermelon into the early hours of, of the next day. If what you're trying to ask me is that Thunderstruck came on and about 10 blokes have lined up to do a butt chug, then you are, you are correct. That was me. I was a part of that. <laughs> thanks, thanks for confirming, mate. I'm glad um, I could confirm that. Okay. Last one. <laughs> Last one, Moose. Um, another Tinder-related Tinder um, stitch-up. So apparently you went on a date recently where... You seem to be asking all the questions with the lovely lady and she was not reciprocating. She was not asking anything back. And then she had the audacity to hit you up about a week later saying that she didn't really vibe with you on that date. <laughs> Can you confirm or deny and how did that make you feel? How did, how, how did that, what did that do to your ego? There's, a, there's, a, there's mail on this too because <laughs> I was talking to this girl. Okay, so it started by, we were on Hinge, a more classy version of Tinder. Um, funny nice. story actually I actually got Ponch onto Hinge he didn't know what it was I got him onto Hinge and then now a few months later he is with the beautiful Katie and they are happy together and that is all because of me so thank you that's a, that's a side story well but, so what happened here was this girl I can't remember what her name was but I'm not going to name her name but she was, uh, we, were, we were chatting away chatting away and I got this really strange thing that kept on happening that every time I would ask her, her a question she wouldn't reciprocate the question. So eventually I called her out and I said, hey, like, you know, normally when, when you ask somebody a question, you, you, you don't just leave it there. You're meant to sort of reciprocate the question. And then, you know, that's how a conversation generally tends to flow. Um, so, yeah, and she was, she was apologetic. And I thought, you know what, I'll give it a chance. I'll go on the date. Um, so I did. I met her at the front of Luna Park. She comes along. Uh, I see her coming. Obviously, I recognized her from the photos. And she's on the phone and she just gives me the old wait there. Doesn't say anything. Just goes. So I was, I'm waiting at the front of Luna Park. At this point, I should have left. I should have absolutely cut my losses and left. But she gives me the wait. She talks on the phone for about another three or four minutes while I'm waiting, while I'm um, standing there like a lost fart, just doing <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I was just flabbergasted. Rude. Yeah. Sort of the same thing happened on the date. Um, the conversation wasn't going great. Didn't feel like she was really very interested in me. Um, we'll put it that way. And then <laughs> we left it. And then a few weeks later, I'm, so, I'm talking about three weeks later, out of the blue, I get a message from her saying, hey, we didn't really vibe, did we? <laughs> so I messaged back saying, I don't think so. Sorry, no, I don't think we did. <laughs> it was like she knew it, but she just wanted the confirmation. <laughs> um all right thanks thanks lads let's start talking about the podcast um so tell us about hello game day um and how it all started Ponchi, you want to take this one or i was gonna say oh well, actually I'll, I'll let moose take this because he has been the person who actually drove it to begin so i'll, I'll give it to moose yeah so i um actually started getting the idea of a podcast when I lived in London, I lived in London for three years. Um, and at the end of that, I started getting the idea that I wanted to maybe start a podcast at some point, but I didn't know what exactly I wanted to start. Um, and uh, so I started to listen to Joe Rogan and all those sorts of things. And I loved it. And I thought, 
maybe it would be something I, I could do. So then when I moved from London back to Australia, I bought myself some microphones, the same ones that we use now. And I started up a podcast called The Vine Sport, which was <laughs> like you heard it on the grapevine, you heard it on the vine. I thought it was pretty catchy. I did a few interviews of that. And then um, the guy from my boxing gym, Bash, wanted me to start a podcast with the boxing gym. And they had heaps of good connections. So I ended up doing the Fight Fit podcast, which was that one. Uh, and I ended up doing about 60 episodes of that. So that was really cool. Interviewed a lot of boxers and, you know, few UFC fighters and trainers and all kinds of people. And then COVID came around at the start of this year and um, the Fight Fit podcast was, you know, pretty much put on hold because, you know, we couldn't use the gym and the office and nobody could come in. So we put that on hold. And then uh, Ponch was coming back from Canada. So I said to him, mate, what are you doing for work when, when you get back? And he goes, oh, I don't really have anything planned. So I said, why don't we start a podcast? Because I've always sort of, Everyone who knows Ponch will know that he's just such a larger-than-life character, such a magnetism about him. Um, people are absolutely drawn to him, and also his personality and his sense of humour is second to none. Like, there's nothing that he won't find funny. You could say whatever you want to him, and he'll have a, he'll make, make a joke about it. So I was like, his personality is absolutely tailor-made for radio and for podcasting. So I was like, this is a really good opportunity for, for, for the two of us to maybe do a cool project together. And he's been one of my best mates for years. So, um, yeah, I, I put up the idea to him and he was all for it, obviously, that we start a footy podcast and we started racking our brains together and um, I managed to get us a studio um, rent-free. Shout-outs to the Hour Group and to Luke Pace, Dave Stef Stefano, and Mike Pratico and Jackson Bailey down there. Uh, those boys hooked us up with like a little room in, in their office that we turned into a studio. And, yeah, we basically got it going from there. We racked our brains together and put... Um, uh, a list together of all the different players that we thought we could get on. And we've just been absolutely flabbergasted about how responsive the players have been, not only in coming on, but how much they've actually enjoyed the podcast that we've done. Um, and, you know, how, how good they've been about it, how, how, how good their answers have been, how good the insight that they've given us, and then how much the fans have also enjoyed seeing that other part of players. So from my perspective, that's, that's um, the journey in a nutshell so far. Awesome. And what are you sort of looking to um, in your episodes? Is it, are the episodes only footy based or, or is it more um, go a bit more into depth about players' lives and stuff? Or? Um, so basically, I feel like what we want to achieve with the podcast is the fact that we're Melbourne boys. We've come from you know, a background where a private school, we, you tend to know a lot of people in the system or like, you know, I've had a high level. And the thing is, you actually get to know these people personally. So as a kid, you have these people as your idol. Um, and then it, the feeling kind of changes once you kind of get to know them. And uh, I think for me personally, being able to let people have the insights of like who these people actually are and kind of humanizing them, you know, you just see them in mainstream media. We just want to break down the walls and actually show that, you know, like us having a laugh here, they have the same stories, you know, and actually find out a bit more about the person than just, you know, you see him on the footy field or, you know, if he has a bad game, he gets rinsed in the media. It's, it's all about positivity and just really finding out more behind the person um, that it, to a lot of people are their idols. So I just feel like we want to bring players closer to the fans. Yeah, 100%. I found that um, very much in, in, your, in your podcast. It shows how much more relatable they are than just like a five-minute or, you know, 30-second interview after the game. Um, on TV. Um, 
Okay, let's talk about the 2020 season um, and how that's looked like. Um, obviously, with COVID and lockdown laws, um, especially in Victoria, what what are your thoughts uh, and feelings on on this year's footy? And what are some of the players' um, players' thoughts? What have they sort of said about um, how things have gone down in Australia? Yeah, I feel like um, it's been a really interesting year for football in the sense that it was it was you know, obviously cut off at the start of the year and then there was so much uncertainty as to whether it would go ahead or not. And I think that really Australia, the Australian public and probably the football community and the players and everybody got a real reality check as to how important AFL is to everybody. Um, so in, in, in terms of that, I think it's been pretty special. But in terms of uh, the, you know, the shortened quarters and the lack of crowds, it's been... Different, disappointing. I'm not sure if, if I was going to be an AFL player, I'd want to win a premiership in this year. But it, there's been positives and negatives about it. I feel like, you know, footy is really very much appreciated. And especially when we were in lockdowns and we had football every night of the week, <clears throat> seven days a week for 30 days in a row or something, or whatever it was. There was. That was a really positive thing. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, even outside of, of AFL and with sport in general, uh, when we did have the lockdown in, in Europe, all like the EPL and La Liga was all cancelled and you sort of realise how much you take for granted having live sport on um, all the time. And especially when people are locked in their house and don't really have much to do, they sort of need something to occupy themselves or get passionate about. And just um, on that point as well, I mean, the the... The crisis that, we're, that we've suffered this year in terms of the pandemic has had so many broad reaching effects in terms of people's mental health as well. And, you know, like friction inside of the household, domestic violence has gone up. And to have that release where you can know that you can put the footy on tonight and just sort of zone out for a little bit and have that thing that is outside of your life, which is potentially, you know, causing you a lot of suffering at the moment. I felt like that was so important for so many people. And, you know, when I was doing my quarantine in, in, in Brisbane for two weeks in Service Paradise, there was, um, there was uh, AFL football on every night. And for me, personally, that helped having a structure for every day. And I can imagine with people who are quarantining with their family, with their kids, with so much uncertainty, um, having that thing as a part of their everyday structure would have been incredibly important. So I commend the AFL um, and all the players and everybody for, for making making it happen 100 percent um and sort of on that topic of of mental health how important um do you guys think football is for young men uh, and women um and what are some of the lessons that they they learn in the um, clubhouse especially growing up i definitely feel um it's crazy how how much sport, like having belonging to somewhere, I think um, with sport, and you don't have to be at a higher level, but just the community that, that it builds. I'm um, not saying that, you know, if you don't do sport, you'll be into other bad habits, but you, you get taught a lot of really good habits and you get taught, like for me, a lot of the good clubs that I went to had a lot of culture. You build strong relationships with people and with really good people. And I think for me, I've actually been very lucky that I think if I didn't have football, you'd hang out with a different crowd. Uh, and but for me, the people who are in football and it's such a strong community, um, it's led me down a really good path, fortunately. And I think as well with support, like mental health is massive these days. And the football AFL is really on the front foot with talking all about that stuff. Um, and so 
with that, there's a massive community and it's, it's not a taboo thing to kind of step out and say, you know, I'm having a bit of problem with that sort of stuff. And everyone's really kind of rallying around each other. So I think with the holistic approach with all that stuff, um, sport in general, just having that belonging is so important. So I'm definitely grateful for it. And just on yeah. that, um, I, 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 the, the word belonging, I think is important in this because, you know, there's a, there's a level of socialization that football brings to you and for a young person as well to be in that team environment um, and to be around other young people and to, to understand how to work in a team. I think it's important for any young person in particular and, you know, in particular young men, because, you know, we have a lot of energy. Um, you know, you hear the word toxic masculinity thrown around a lot these days. And I think one of the best ways to sort of bring out the best and to manifest the best sort of version of a young man is to indulge him in team sports. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. And that's interesting that you mentioned um, toxic masculinity, which seems to be a term thrown around uh, more and more loosely um, nowadays. Um, and I actually um, had a conversation with one of my really good friends um, last week. And I said that I'd just come from a boxing class and she said to me, um, you, you should get rid of your toxic masculinity. And she's referring to, to boxing. And in my opinion, at least, like by using terms like toxic masculinity for things like sport, whether, and especially you know, um, sports like AFL or boxing, contact sports, it takes away from the actual issues that toxic masculinity uh, is a real problem with, whether that's um, men repressing their emotions or... Uh, men being sexist or sexual abuse in the workplace. But do you think that there is um, conf a conf confused um, portrayal of AFL and combat sports as being something that's toxic, toxic masculinity? Like, do you know what I'm trying to say about that? Like what you're talking about, <clears throat> yeah, having that club atmosphere where you're able to, as, to speak about your emotions and stuff like that. It sort of often gets confused. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. So I thought I was leaving it because I thought Moose was going to take it. But um, yeah, no, it's it's funny you say that. I actually haven't heard that term a lot. And for me, I I think uh, coming into an environment, if if you're not feeling comfortable or you know, um, oh, there's anger or there is that you know toxic masculinity. Um, I think you that's the thing where culture kind of gets on top of that and beats that because if you do kind of have those things, if you come to a club where it's good and, you know, you've got a really strong relationship with a lot of people, um, I think, yeah, you look at the game and how brutal it can be sometimes. Um, but everyone shakes hands at the end. Everyone's pretty respectful for the most part. And um, even when there is the occasional, you know, there is a dog acting a game, but that's reprimanded pretty straightforward. And, you know, everyone knows that that's not the right thing to do. And, we always make sure that we don't want to see anything that is, you know, of a bad nature uh, physically. You know? <clears throat> so um, it's an interesting one because I've never ever considered football any sort of like in a toxic way of the way we go about things and the way you just, you go out there and you kind of build camaraderie and that's the way yeah. I've ever seen it. So it's never, it's crazy because I've never really thought about it that way. Well, I mean, because you've, you've had the benefits of playing footy your whole life. So it's, it's more of a conception of people that, maybe aren't from Australia and just see how brutal the sport is, but don't understand um, the lessons learnt in the clubhouse. And um, yeah, especially for, for young men and women growing up. 
Yeah, um, that sort of ties into uh, racism in the AFL. And I had um, Jay Kennedy Harris, one of my good mates in the podcast uh, last week, and he couldn't speak more highly about the AFL and, and what they've done for the Indigenous community and, and um, battling racism. Um, you guys have had a couple of Indigenous players in the podcast. What are, the, what are their um, thoughts and what are your thoughts on how football um, helps with integration within the, within the Indigenous community? Yeah, I actually watched a bit of that podcast that you did with, with Jay Kennedy Harris. And I was actually really impressed by that and, and, and by Jay as well, because he speaks really well and he's um, a very, very conscious young, young guy and would love to get him on the podcast ourselves eventually because, yeah, he seems like a really cool, interesting young guy and he seems to really care about um, the issues that are going on in, in terms of Indigenous players in the AFL. And look, I, th- I think that there is definitely like still an underlying problem that the, that, that needs to be um, continued to be talked about because I think people do talk about it, and the overwhelming majority of people that I know and I think the overwhelming majority of people in the AFL community absolutely value um, the Indigenous, the role that Indigenous players play in the game. And, you know, we, 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 love, we love the Indigenous players. We love watching them on TV. They're such, a, they're such bring a, such a, an exciting element to our game. Um, Ponch and I were talking in one of the episodes this year about their... Uh, being a new new teams in, in introduced into the AFL, and we flirted with the idea of a Northern Territory team being brought into the AFL, and how cool that would be to have a Northern Territory Thunder team, and primarily an Indigenous team. How exciting that would be! So the role that they play, there's just no question that it's just um, that it's great. And the guys who we've had on the podcast are so proud of their heritage, and they always wear it with pride. Um, two of my best mates from boarding school were Jake Need and, and Don Barry, who were indigenous players for Port Adelaide and um, the lessons that I learned from those guys were some of the most important that, I, that I've ever I've ever learned because I learned all about their community and I actually didn't really know I hadn't really had anything to do with indigenous people before meeting those guys and I was roommating with them and um, they, were t- they taught me all about the dream time they taught me all about their communities that they were from and like the respect that I gained for them and for how beautiful the, the indigenous culture is and um, was was fantastic. I think that, you know, contrary to the common conception, most Australians have a have a profound appreciation for for Indigenous people. And but maybe that's just an echo chamber that I'm in. No, I'd agree as well, one hundred percent. All right, guys, let's do some who's more likely two questions. This might spark a bit of controversy. Um, I'll ask you most first who reckons they're better for the ladies me (laughs) (laughs) nah definitely ponch actually ponch has an absolute silver tongue he's 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 great at great at moose has witnessed the the art form of jagging one late (laughs) which i have been known to do my prime time yeah yeah don't be deceived by his head because he can talk the back legs up chair yeah, that's, I, I sneak up with them with the, the two out of ten look, and then by the night, it's getting area with the sweet nothings. Nah, right, all good fun. All right, Punch, who's more likely to lose their shit? Oh, Moose, 100%. <laughs> There's no question. Moose, yeah. you can confirm. Can confirm, can confirm. Yeah. Absolutely, Punch is the most patient man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm pretty calm at the most <clears throat> extreme times, so yeah. Who's, who is more likely to ask an inappropriate 
or regrettable question? I'd say me, yeah. <laughs> Actually, after a few beers, probably Ponch, but I'd say if we're talking about a political debate or something, I've got some very controversial opinions and I would, I would actually offend something quite easily. But um, in terms of being on the piss, I reckon Ponch would uh, throw a bit of banter some, someone's way and they wouldn't be quite accustomed to it. 100%. Okay. Or, All right. If anything, I'll, I'll pop that one as me because sometimes... I absolutely mean the right way when I say something, but it can come out so fucking wrong. <laughs> so that, that's happened many times where I've had my foot in my mouth. Um, okay, this is a controversial one. Punch, who reckons they're better at footy? Oh, well, I mean, Moose, do you want to answer that? <laughs> I'll let no, you go. You go, it. mate. You go. It's all you. Um, I think. Uh, if we're going off the resume of who's taken more hangers, I'll give it to Jake. St Kilda City 2019 round seven. Uh, I, I could tell you a story backwards. <laughs> I've heard it that many times, but I think my resume holds up just a little bit better than his. Now, Ponch played um, Vic Metro and was very unlucky not to get drafted. My glory days of football were when we were playing under 16s and I was a, a dynamic, powerful, strong, quick, accurate, full forward, kicked five against Oak Park in round one. Took Miller doesn't seem to remember. Neither, neither do any of the other boys. They seem to think I was a, I was a fat stay-at-home forward. So <laughs> Peaked early. Don't know, mate. I don't know what the story is. Mate, everyone has amnesia. Um, all right, well, the grand final is this weekend. Who, who are your tips to win? And who do you reckon is going to win the Norm Smith? Ooh, all right, I'll go first because... At the start of our podcast, we actually did a lot of predictions and talking footy. And I've said all year that it was going to be the Tigers. So I can't waver now because they're in the grand final. So if Tigers do win, I mean, it would be, uh, it would be such a dream to see, you know, Dusty win a third one. Because I'd be looking to hand him a third norm. Um, uh, who's been, you know what? I would love to see someone like, I reckon Shy Bolton just has X Factor and he could just turn it on. He's, he's, he's got a bit of excitement. And I really like the way he plays. So I think if Richmond win, he has the potential just to do some freakish things. So I'm going to go Shy Bolton. And I'm going to go with the Cats. I reckon the Cats have been unbelievable the last two weeks. And I reckon Gary Ablett will sign off with a premiership and a Norm Smith medal. The dream. All right, lads. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Make sure to... Uh, Subscribe and follow the Rock Road Post and Hello Game Day on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Cheers, boys. Hey, Tom, just before you go, brother, give us your biggest Hello Game Day, please. Hello Game Day. No, we need better than that, <laughs> brother. It, <laughs> Hello Game Day, lads. <laughs> and I'd just like to, I'd like to sign off with, I don't know if I've got a missus or I'm single right now. So <laughs> I'll be finding out after this. Oh, nice work, boys. Lovely to chat to you, fellas. Cheers, boys. All right, I'll, I'll uh, end the.